This is One on One with Jasper Cole, Hollywood's bad guy, and so much more. Actor, talent manager, producer, and more. Now he's sitting down with today's top newsmakers from entertainment, politics, pop culture, and beyond. This is One on One with Jasper Cole. Howdy, howdy, howdy. Welcome, everyone, to One-on-One with Jasper Cole. This is Thursday night, and it's our live show. Hope everyone's having a great Thursday. I want to ask you to please follow us on social media. We are at One-on-One J. Cole on Twitter and Instagram and Facebook. And you can also go to Jasper Cole Says, S-A-Y-S. And my website, jaspercole.com, has a link to One-on-One with Jasper Cole, has all the current information and the archive shows and all that good stuff. And I want to give a big shout out and a hello to my uh, producer and co-host, Mr. John Williams. Hey, buddy. Hey, Jasper. Happy Thursday. Happy Thursday to you. How are you? I'm hanging in there, you know. It's been a interesting week, but thankfully things are on the on the mend, on the better. So that's good. Yes, I wanted to t- tell everyone uh, John's mother has been uh, ill and and sick and yeah, it's been a really up and down roller coaster ride. And uh, we got some good news today that she's improving and is yeah. eating and and doing much better. So God bless her. And I know you're going to be taken off to go home to see her. So we wish you yep. a safe journey on all that. Thank yeah. you. Yeah, you looking forward be... to Thanksgiving? I know that's really right well, in the corner. You know, that's a week from tonight. And we're actually yeah. doing we're actually doing our show. Um we have Bill Oberst Jr. joining us next uh Thursday night. So mm-hmm. he's he said that uh he's hosting Thanksgiving for the first time <laughs> and he will have kicked everyone out of the house and by by nine o'clock his time he'll be ready to come on to one on one with Jasper Cole. He won't be in a food coma, I hope. <laughs> I I don't think I I yeah exactly. I I don't yeah. I think I think we're having uh, Thanksgiving around four o'clock. So oh, okay. I don't know. Plenty of I may time. be I may be in the coma, but if if <laughs> if if watching these impeachment hearings this week hasn't put everybody in a coma Ooh. already, it's mm. just been a nightmare in a in a in a sad way for the country but uh the worst part and we're not going to get too political but the worst part was they they concluded today with probably the most powerful witnesses they've had dr fiona hill and uh david uh holmes and yet of course the republicans are saying nothing to see here folks everything's fine no problem um trump can pretty much do whatever he wants but it's nothing he does is impeachable you know, they keep moving yeah. the goalposts. So, but um, politically, that reminds me also tonight, one on one with Jasper Cole, our latest breaking the news episode is uh, going to be uh, debuting, or the new episode is on BS Podcast Networks. And after that, it'll be on iTunes and Spricker and all the other platforms, just like tonight's show will be. We're on, uh, we're everywhere, JW. Yeah, we are. We're just we're just everywhere. Yes. Yes. So, but I'm really excited about um our guest that's coming up tonight. He is an amazing performer. When you talk about multi-talented, this is definitely wow, yeah. him. I mean, he's an actor, he's a singer, he's a producer, he's a writer, he's a comedian, he's also one of the country's leading impressionists. And uh one of the people that he he does is Elton John. And he's been doing a show as Elton John for many years. Um, he's also been Entertainer of the Year in Vegas, and he's about to go on tour, uh, taking the Elton show to Australia. And then he's in Germany doing uh, a wow. one-man show. And uh, so our guest tonight is going to be Stephen Sorrentino, who's also a new Newman Thomas management family member. So we're Great. excited about that. And yeah. um yeah, so I want to. I think we can go ahead and bring him on. Is that right, JW? You got it. Yes, let's bring so him everyone, on. Everyone, hey, please welcome our very special guest, Mr. Steven Sorrentino. <laughs> wow. <laughs> hey, how are you? How are you? Hi, how are you? I'm good. What's going on, man? 
Well, we wanted to give you a standing ovation. I know you're used to that, so, you know. Oh, yes, of course, of course. How did you know? I just wanted to I make sure. I see you. I know. If you we're, were. We're, we're, we're just all uh, on audio tonight. But first of all, congratulations on the successful run of Annie opposite Miss Sally Struthers that you just closed this past weekend. Yeah, that broke my heart to close it, man. There's nothing better than working with kids. Uh, a dog and a famous actress. I mean, you get the best of every world, you know. <laughs> well, I, the, the kids, the dog, hmm, I don't know, but Sally Struthers definitely would be a plus for sure. Yeah. Oh, hold on, guys. Sorry. Say that again. I'm sorry. No, I said um, the kids and the dog. I'm not so sure about, but Sally Struthers is definitely a plus for sure. I tell you what, man, she was a hoot. I I never met her before, and I you know I'm, I work with a lot of famous people and. I was kind of weird about working on like I think of her as being like 25 years old, but she's 72. Right. So it's like, wow. But she was as fun, and she pinched my hiney before I went on before every night. <laughs> <laughs> she's fun, you know. She's very sweet, and I have to get real close to her because I play her love interest, oh. uh, Mr. Bundles. So I had to really like have my face in her ear, you know, like as I'm talking to her and I'm touching her little nose and. And I'm just going, man, that's Gloria. That's from All in the Family, you know? That's Gloria. That's right. Well, you know, I'm always – you and I spoke about her. You know, she is a true, like, force of nature. You know, she's always on the road doing one one musical, one play after another. And, you know, she just loves – clearly has a passion for what she does. Yeah. I mean, everybody was – like, all the kids, you know, you work with children and everybody's sick. And she was just – 72, she picks up a girl in the show and twirls her around like a, a wrestler, like the fabulous moolah from the 50s, you know. <laughs> I was just blown away, and I'm like, how do you have legs to do that? She's like, I'm from the Nordic world, you know. My parents were Nordic, <laughs> and I have good legs. I'm like, my goodness. And she's got a big rack, too, so that worked out well, great. Well, that helps. Listen, a good, a good big rack has never hurt anybody, right? <laughs> I mean, right. look at look at Dolly Parton. She's still going stronger than ever, so. Um, yeah, I know. Now, so hey, I got Steven... a story for you, man. I got to tell yeah. you about Dolly Parton. Uh, every year I go to the SAG Awards with the cast of Orange is the New Blacks. I know a lot of them. I'm uh, Lynn Tucci's date, who plays, uh, I forget the character with the air, with the uh, oxygen. And she was in Showgirls. She's been in Nonsense on Broadway. But Dolly Parton gave an award to um, Lily Tomlin, and she was standing behind in front of a light. So when the audience watching television was looking at the screen, the light was behind Dolly, and you could see right through her dress. Uh, and there was nothing hanging, man. It was like she was as tight as a drum. Bless her well, heart. All you saw was a stick and big boobs. Well, she's been very <laughs> honest about all her plastic surgery, so I'm sure she made sure the she's made sure the boobs are you know top notch and the boobs thin. were huge and uh, that little waist was a little tight. I, I was like, holy, look at that. She's like seventy something. Bless her. Man. Amazing. Well, you know, That's you right. know this, Stephen. We don't. All of us old, you know, showbiz people. We don't. We don't retire. We just die on stage or die on set. <laughs> you should see my act. I die nightly. <laughs> <laughs> well, say hello to uh, JW, our co-host here. Howdy, JW. Hey, good to meet you. I listened to your voice reel, and I was just blown away by all your impressions. Really amazing. Uh, thank you so much. I appreciate it. I've been doing voices since I'm a little kid, and, you know, I create a visualization when you – Growing up in show, I was in a small show business family, kind of local New York thing, and I used to watch Rich Little on television, and oh, I wanted yeah. to be like Rich Little, and then I moved to Vegas and whatever, and he moved next door to me. It was the wow. weirdest thing. And I'm like, <laughs> that's surreal, man. I used to watch you on TV now. I could see you in your bathroom at night, you know, dyeing your hair or whatever the hell are you doing Did there. Did you tell him, I'm sure you told him the story, you told him he was an influence. I I did, and I years ago I used to watch Frank Gorshin. I don't know if you remember him. Yes, absolutely. Frank Gorshin, and I got him for my birthday from Lydia Cornell from Too Close for Comfort. She bought oh, him. Oh God! I guess they were friends, and we were at the Four Seasons in L.A. And lo and behold, he walks in, and I'm like, Oh my God, there's Frank Gorshin. She goes, Happy birthday, and he came wow. to have a drink with me. I know what I got Frank Gorshin <sighs> for my birthday, and Rich Little is my neighbor. Lydia is a sweetheart. I've been friends with Jim J. Bullock for. 25 years and from too close for comfort and and he and Lydia and Deborah they and uh they all stay very close to each other that whole cast yeah and yeah. Ted uh, what Ted back Ted Knight <laughs> Ted Knight was just amazing you know I, I, I know him. 
He was quite a talent. I'm an old fan, man. I love that old television stuff, and that's why I do the voices. I mean, everything was based on Jerry Lewis, kind of, you know, when I was a kid. Oh yeah. Well, tell everybody so, and, where where you grew up, and how, really expand more on how this entire showbiz career started for you. Well, I grew up in Germany. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> <laughs> I grew up in Long Island, New York, and my parents. My mom was a singer. My dad was a sax player and band leader. And my grandfather was kind of a cheap version of Ricky Ricardo. He was oh. a bass player that had his own orchestra, and he sang. He was very handsome, and that's most of it. And then he sang well, and he had his own club and a band. So when I was a little kid at five or six years old, I was on stage with him uh, singing. It was a little scary. So wow. I was on stage my whole life for the most part. And then from there, I kind of had a record deal or two or three, and I got to work for Elton John. I think I told you that. Back when I was 18, I snuck backstage, and there I was, you know, John Reed. Offered me a job because I looked good, I guess. <laughs> I wasn't talented. <laughs> you know, I looked great in jeans back then. So, um, and I got to, you know, I got to see the world, and it's been a good ride, man. Uh, everything is wow. a natural progression. Um, well, you know, between all the, I'm sorry, go ahead. You ask me. Oh no, no, no. Anything. Yeah, no. I was just going to say. So when you got to, when you say you went on the road with Elton, tell everyone what what that was like and what did you did you perform it with him or how what was the show Jasper I was so underqualified I was just a good looking 18 year old kid that wanted to be a rock star right so I I kind of said there was a guy named Kuz Vandenager who used to do his clothing and I have uh, I used to go to the Pines Long Island which is a town yes but by New York and I met Kuz and he said he did Elton John's uh, designs and stuff and I called the Rocket Record office in New York pretending to be him, my first famous impression. And I was just like, this is Kurt uh, Vandenaga, I'm calling for some backstage passes, you know. And they gave him to me. I told them I was his personal assistant, so I went backstage, totally lied. And John Reed took a liking to me, and he's his manager, who, like, there's two movies about him, the Queen movie and the Elton John movie. Right. Mm-hmm. And lo and behold, I got to work, you know, whatever, and kind of be a gopher and hang out and see how he walks and talks and it was pretty amazing, and then I went to London for a while with John Reed, and I worked for Rocket Records there at 18 years old. Oh, my God. Wow. Uh, yes, yeah, surreal. I had a distorted sense of how easy it was going to be. I'm like, I'm hanging out with Billie Jean King and Carlos Santana. And, wow. You know, and then a year later, I'm like, okay, I'm back in New York. What do I do? You know? Well, so, would you, was this when uh, Elton was on a lot of the drugs? And I mean, he's, been, he's talked about there's decades that he doesn't remember, you know. So. Oh, you know what? He's an inspiration. I mean, I, I actually quit drinking and doing whatever years ago wow. because of the inspiration that he set. But he was right. a raving mess when I was around. He was – I've never seen anybody be able to party like that and still the next night be, first off, conscious and then go on stage. I mean, he sounded rough on the first song. And the first day I worked for them, I'm like, they're going to pull him off the stage, right? They're like, watch. <laughs> watch and he sang daniel and he sounded like i don't know like the guy from heart to heart and i'm like oh no second song your song he was fine and he did three hours every night first of all i love love how you you and i we you just referenced a a heart to heart a tv series you're you're my kind of people yeah i mean (laughs) i mean for people listening they're like heart to heart that was everyone just so you know that was yeah, Robert Wagner. Sander, go ahead. Lionel Jill Sander. St. Jo- Jill oh. St. John. Yes. Yeah. Robert and, it was a, and Lionel Sander. That's the guy. And he was like the he was like the he was like the gruff chauffeur, uh, right hand man, I guess, to Robert Wagner. Yes. But Oh my God, well, I love that. Har- Harvey Firestein in the seventies. That's pretty much mm, what okay. Uh, but now, so when did so when did you actually start performing or impersonating Elvis? I, I, Elvis, <laughs> thank you, oh, <laughs> Elton John. Elton well, John. Thank you very much, man. Oh my God. Well, here's what happened in the mid '80s. I I got a uh, yeah I, I couldn't get a record deal of my own. I, I wasn't hitting it, and I had a manager named Jerry Love in New York, and he was with Famous Music. He introduced me to. Uh, uh, um, Herb Albert from A&M Records, the, you know, the famous Herb Albert. Right, sure. And he put his arm around me, and he goes, I heard your music, man. And I'm like, oh, my God, this is it. And I was 25 years old. He said, but there already is an Elton John. You sound just like Elton John. And I'm like, uh, wow. Uh, career, wow. toilet flush, thank you. Mm. And 
he introduced me to the the Paramount people, and I got a publishing deal as a pop writer for Paramount, and that kind of opened the door. But at one point, I said I went to a club with an open mic, and I said, "How many people here heard you sound? How many artists here?" And they all raised their hands, and I said, "How many people said that you're derivative of somebody else?" And they mm-hmm. all raised their hand. I said, "Everybody said I sound like Elton John," and I borrowed this girl's sunglasses, and I said, "What do you think?" And I sang your song, and it started a whole career. Oh my wow. God. Because I wow. sound like Elton John, so I wore some clothing. I did an AIDS benefit in 1990 to start out, and it went, like, global. Within two years, I was working all over the planet. Like oh, my God. I know. So, so Stephen, so you've got – there's sort of been a pattern. There's been a theme in your life where things just kind of fall in your lap in, in a good uh, way. You know what I mean? It's like I, you, you've got a really so good, good uh, juju energy around you that allows you to have all these opportunities because you're when I say you're a hyphenate I mean you truly mm-hmm. you've done it I mean acting singing producing you you've owned or own your own company that's you you also represent other impressionists and I mean this where did this sense of like entrepreneurship is, is that did that come from your parents or yeah I think from my grandfather the hustle I mean I, I talk to kids nowadays. I'm like, like the kids in, in Annie, there's a lot of young, handsome, upcoming guys. And I'm like, would you do this, you know, the day off? And they're like, oh, I hung out with my girlfriend. I'm like, I would have been in Washington, D.C. or New York auditioning for the next. Right. Because I wanted it so bad when I was a kid. And I, and I, I don't know, I'm still I'm getting older and stuff, but I don't see myself slowing down because people say you retire from the things you don't love. I love this freaking business. Right. Every part right. of it, from designing the lights to my shows to putting a show in China. To being in a movie, it's you know, when I'm dead, I'll be dead, and then I'll stop, maybe. <laughs> <laughs> well, and that, you know? but that's that's the point, you know. The passion is there, but not there. Not all performers want to do more than just perform. They don't have that. They don't have that that ability to produce. You know, like you said, design your own shows, do one man shows. A lot of us as performers, or actors, just want to show, you know, show up and do the job and leave. So you you've all, you've had this extra added sort of thing that you wanted to do it all, which which would you say? I know it's hard to say, but do you find? Are you a singer who acts? Are you an actor who sings? Or a comedian who yes. does it all? And you know what I mean. Where yeah. where would you fall in there? At yes, because <laughs> it's, it's necessary. And when I go on a cruise ship and I install one of my shows, you know who designs the lights? I do. I sit right. there for 26 hours with a lighting tech, and I said, here's what we're going to do. Start from one. And the guy's like, wow. do you have a degree? No, bitch. I've... Can I use language? I'm sorry. Oh, no, yes. of course. Fuck yes. a, a hell yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, bitch. I've been in the business since 19s whatever, you know, and I'm, I just want it to be right. And the vision that's in my head and in my heart, I want to see live. Right. So whether it's me acting in a movie or – on stage or being a comedian i didn't know i was funny until later on you know honestly i, I even jerry lewis says you got a good timing kid you know i used to live near him as well as vegas and i listened to him and he used to say you got good timing it's your natural rhythm right and i said oh, okay because i really wasn't a comedian until later on so well, what i don't what, know what time frame what part when did you go to Vegas? Like, what Vegas are we talking about? Because, you know, there's, you know what I mean? There was the original Vegas. I mean, you're not that old. So, but, no, you know. No, but I, I got there at the end of the old and the beginning of the new. Okay. Got it. So, like, 96, I went to Vegas. Okay. Um, so, for me, I was living in Manhattan, starving as an actor. I was going to every audition. You know how it is in Manhattan. Right. It's all the same thing. And I did a couple national commercials, so I was getting paid Okay. And then I got a call to go to Vegas for three months, and I said, all right, I'll sublet my apartment. I went there, and I'm just like, ooh, this feels right. Getting back to what you were saying, mm-hmm. it has to feel right, and you step right. into these shoes, and you go, ooh, these are comfy. Yeah, this is where I'm supposed to be. And within three months, I bought a house, and I got an extended contract, and it started a 20-year career. Uh, so Wow. Oh, well, I mean, I that's the thing, saying, though. Please have me. You know, please hire me. Let me get up there. Patty LaBelle got sick. My friend called me. She goes, "Do you suck?" I said, "What are you talking about?" She's like, "I'm I, Patty LaBelle is here at the Paris, and I need a comedian to open because she's sick." I said, "Hire me." She goes, "I know you have a demo tape. I can't find it. Do you suck?" I'm like, "No, I don't suck." <laughs> <laughs> I'm gonna have you here tonight. She goes, "And if you suck, I get fired." I said, "Then 
I don't know what to tell you. She goes, look, it's a black and gay audience. I said, I'm black and gay. Whatever you want me to be. And yeah. I got there, and I blew it apart, and I did 60 dates with Patti LaBelle over the years as her opening act. Wow. No, and that was but funny. Like, but, like, for instance, had you been – you had already been doing stand-up, though, at that point. Uh, honestly, or yes. Stand-up is. show in Atlantic City. Ish. You know. never, I never just did, hey, you know, two guys are walking down the road. I never did because it was <laughs> right. always musical. I don't have the balls to do that because I always rely on music just in case I suck. Well, and <laughs> you, you, know like, I mean? you, you like to sort of, I don't mean hide behind, but you like having a character also, right? Or, or characters um, yeah. that you're playing, I, you know. Yeah, in my show Voices in My Head, which I wrote in 95 watching other people, I went to see a guy at the Taj Mahal. And I, I saw him, and he was horrible. He was from whatever country. And he did like 25, 30 different impressions. And he wasn't good, and he was getting paid 10000 a week. Oh, my God. So like, uh, I want to do that. So I put the, a show together, <laughs> and I hate to say it, but the guy who owned Taj Mahal at the time gave me a break. And I got in there, and I, did a, I made it into an AIDS charity because somebody tried to shut me down, and I gave a lot of money to the Atlantic City AIDS Coalition. And lo and behold, it became something because I videotaped it. But and I just did Sammy Davis. I threw in a lot of stuff. I did. Oh, can we talk, Joan Rivers? Oh, could you? Oh, horrible. You know, I, I mean, I just went <laughs> off. And I did like 150 voices in the show. I just kept going for it. Tina Turner. <sighs> and from there, I got a deal in Vegas. So I, I don't know. You know, that's how it started. I just went. Shit, I could do that. You well, know? and and then how long were you also uh, in, doing TV and, and film during that time? Would you come to to go back to New York or LA, or were you just pretty much hunkered down in Vegas? No, what I did in Atlantic City, I was again my I wanted it bad. I would do five nights in Atlantic City, and then the two days I would go to New York and audition for anybody that would see me, whether it was you know a God Sci-Fi Channel and all that stuff. Right. So I kept doing that, and then when I moved to Vegas, hell yeah, I got an agent. I did something like 60 uh, feature commercials because I was a New York-trained actor, and right. everybody in Vegas was like a showgirl who kind of acted, and they sucked. So I walked in town with you know, a little bit of Second City in me and a little bit of uh, Michael Howard and, and you know, real training, and they were just like, ooh, New York <laughs> actor, and I got right. work. Tons, you know, so I was doing – Six nights on the strip. Then I would go sometimes in the morning to L.A. because I had an agent in L.A. saying, you know, read for a commercial, read for a movie. So I haven't taken a break since 1942. I'm kidding. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, well, I mean, that was it. It's the natural progression. You know, I got to tell you, Jasper, I think 2010 I needed a break. I needed something different, and I needed to progress. And I like the creative visualization thing. And I told Debbie Reynolds years ago at a party, I met her once. And I said, someday I'm going to work with you. And I was kind of drunk, and she looked at me weird. And she went, okay. <laughs> and then about 10 years later, no, five years later, I would say, 2010, her son called me and said, my mom would like you to open for her. And I said, who's your mama? He said, I can't tell you. And then <laughs> twice I hung up on the guy because I was working at Harris. And the third call was uh, Debbie Reynolds herself, Stephen, dear. This is Debbie Reynolds. I need you to work with me tomorrow night. And I'm like, oh, my God. Like, it just, <laughs> it's happening. And wow. then I did, and then I five years with Debbie, you know, and that's why I'm doing the thing this week, uh, two weeks from now, at uh, the in Brent, what is it, Bel Air? Uh, at Bel Air Country Club, right? You're doing uh, with, with Ruta Lee, Ruta Lee, also, right? Yeah, Ruta called me and she goes, "Come on, Toots, let's do this." And you know, Debbie would love you to to do this event, I, you know. And I love Debbie Reynolds for five years. I was her best buddy on the road and her bodyguard, mm. her opening act, everything. Um, wow. She was she taught me more just being with her. What you know. What a wonderful, wonderful influence she was with me. So I'm going to be there. I'm coming to Hollywood. Well, and truth be told, the irony of irony is uh, Stephen's coming to California, <laughs> and he, he, he writes me and says, I'm coming <laughs> December 5th through the 9th. And I was like, oh, my God. Those are the exact <laughs> dates that I'm going home to Georgia. Uh, I haven't seen People my dad in, like in, in two years. And I was like, fuck, I cannot believe this. <laughs> And um, and, and, I, and of course, I, of course, that's what happens, right? I know, it, but it's for a reason. Everything will work out exactly the way it's supposed to. That's what I always believe, and I teach that because I do a lot of mentor for young actors and performers. I do mentor classes in Vegas and scholarships, and I just believe in uh, rising everybody with you and uh, and above rather than pushing people down as you move along. 
Well, it's funny because um, when you mention Ruta Lee here in here in Palm Springs, uh, we we go to a certain restaurant and Ruta is sort of like that's her hangout as well. And from the and even though she and I have never been formally introduced, from the time we saw each other, we've acted like we've known each other. And so, <laughs> you know, she calls everyone darling and hello. And so when you wrote yeah. me about Ruta Lee, I was just I said to my husband Dennis, "Oh my God, this is like so bizarre that you know." somehow now when I see Ruta, I'll tell her, you know, that I know Steven. So like you said, there are no accidents in life. Everything happens for a reason. Yeah. What's the odds of that all happening? You know, because that's kind of weird. And when she said, I told her I would do it. She said, I just, I'm so thrilled that I peed. I mean, she's like one of the (laughs) (laughs) best. She she came out of my, (laughs) well, she could get a, a, she could get the Depends commercial now that June Allison used to do. (laughs) Don't tell her that. (laughs) No, she'll never, she'll never hear this. I did a show um, at the El Portel in North Hollywood, I guess it is. Yeah. For uh a week. I I did my voices in my head show, 180 voices. And I had my dancers from Vegas. It was like Vegas comes to Hollywood. And she came, and I thought, you know, she has the, the you know, if anybody sees Ruta Lee, just Google her, and you'll see it. She wears feathers and old-style oh, yeah. with big hair. And she shows up, and I'm like, there was a light around her. She was with Joanne Worley and a lot of actresses, a lot of famous people that night. And she comes out, and I went to her because I figured she'd sneak out because she was a big starlet. And I said, Miss Lee, and she goes, fucking awesome <laughs> i'm like i thought she was gonna say very nice young man but she just she scratched her nuts and spit man it was awesome she's, she's like an old broad in the best sense yeah. of the word yeah and, and debbie was like that too debbie reynolds always you know she'd sometimes swear like a sailor after a glass of wine but she was one of the boys and i loved that about her and rude is the hmm. same exact way well you know Good that's stuff. what we were saying earlier about sally struthers there there's there's a certain stock of showbiz performers and they're, they're part of that. I mean, Sally's younger, but you know, Debbie and that whole gang, they, they just, they just don't stop. You know, it's like a passion and they just keep going. And it's, I mean, I'm envious of their energy and their tenacity that I I mean, I, I think I'm pretty, yeah. I mean, I think I'm energetic too. Well, I can't keep up with you either. You're just like a whirlwind. So I probably need medication or something. I don't know. Whatever works. <laughs> well, I don't um, want you to lose the voices in your head if you take medication. Hell you no. Might, I you might no. You know, I might flip out. Well, also, while you were living in Vegas and, and probably before, a lot of people may not know that you're a huge animal rights advocate and a, an activist on the on behalf of animals. Did that really take off while you were in Vegas, or had you been doing that? all your life, basically. I think I've always been an animal fan, but when I got a little bit famous in Vegas, it gave me a little bit of, um, uh, I guess, I don't know. It gave me the, the platform to say something where people actually cared. And right. it brought me to Hollywood, and, and um, Betty White had me come to the uh, Dogs for the Deaf thing. And from there, animal rights activists were kind of looking at me to help them, and I did. And I work with the Animal Legal Defense Fund, and I go to court. I mean, I, I testify to try to change the laws to help our animals and stuff. And I've been really active in that the last, I would say nine years more than anything. Uh, and wow. I, I'm so grateful that people knew who I was to say, Hey, could you help us? Right. I mean, that's what, it's not about a paycheck, man. It's about, you know, getting things better. And right. Right. People realize how much we hurt ourselves or hurt our planet, hurt our animal. I mean, it's just, it, it breaks my heart. So I've done a lot of stuff for animal rights and I'll continue to do it until I die. Well, and, and li- likewise, like both JW and I are huge animal people as well. But, you know, homelessness has become a real like platform for me, me mm-hmm. and J- um, JW as well. But it, it's fascinating to me how in life right now, I mean, if pe- the, the nastiest person in the world sometimes, if suddenly if you see a, a, an injured dog or a cat, I've seen people in L.A. actually jump out of their cars on Hollywood Boulevard to like rescue an animal. But, but if they just glanced over to the left, there's like four homeless people laying on the sidewalk. And it's, it's interesting, right? I mean, it's, I think a lot of it has to do with, we, we know that animals are, are, you know, they're helpless and they, they're so unconditional. And I think somehow we feel that 
you know, the humans laying there made some choices or whatever got them there. I did just a very, it's always been a real like dichotomy in my mind when I see that, like we, um, we do care sometimes more about animals than people. And I'm not saying that's I a bad that. thing. I'm not saying that's a bad thing. <laughs> You're a wicked, wicked man. <laughs> I'm just, I'm just stating like an interesting observation, I guess. But um, no, you're true. It's true. I think people think that homelessness is a choice. Like somebody has a little card and they go, "Hmm, beautiful home in the country with money. I know homeless. That's what right, right. It doesn't ever happen like that, you know." But I guess yeah. people in their heads go, you know, that's a human. They can take care of themselves where a dog or an animal or, I mean, I did a lot of, I closed, helped close one of the, the last tiger shows in Las Vegas. A guy named oh. Dirk, I mean, Dirk Arthur. And I offered him $50,000 to take the animals out. And then I would produce the show with my dancers in an animal type of thing and give him my choreographers. And he just refused. And eventually we went to the money people that Hilton where he was having it. And we just went, Really? Really? Animal abuse, really? And they just shut him down. So eventually oh, took wow. two years. But So that was the last cat show in town. And that was it. Um, did and you, that makes sense to me. Did you know Siegfried and Roy? Had you had interaction? I did. I used to get drunk with Siegfried. Um, oh. And he would have his limousine drive me home. He was very kind. <laughs> uh, yeah, he was very kind. I had a lot of checkered nights with Siegfried. A lot of fun. Always, always a, a wonderful man. And of course, the Roy Horn thing was just so tragic and so horrible. Oh yeah, oh, but I mean, he but survived, I, you know. He survived, but he stroked out. I mean, he could never do anything after that. Was he survived, but he could never perform again. You remember? I mean, I have a thing that what I've said from day one is animals and show business do not mix. And here right. I am, a guy who just did a, a show with a dog. Great. Right. You know. Right. <laughs> <laughs> but I mean, that's my thing is like, you know, take the animals because no animal wants to be on cue every night at eight o'clock. You know, you have to, it's not show business for them. It's a it's slavery, and it's just not fair. Mm-hmm. Well, qu- well, quite honestly, I can't believe it didn't happen sooner. I mean, I'm so horrified that it happened. But you know, when you think about it. I, I, we don't know how many near misses they had, but I'm just saying that it's 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 mind boggling that no other that he wasn't attacked or they weren't attacked before twenty this, years or, before that. Yeah. Well, you know the cat. We think that the cat was trying to protect him, that there was a noise mm-hmm. or whatever, and the cat got spooked and rather and you know the cat grabbed him from the back of the neck and took him off right. the stage. Right. Well, that's what mama cats do to cubs when they're you know they they want them to right. do something. So the cat was doing the right thing by protecting who she loved. Right. We don't see it that way because the cat is a great, great big thing with great big teeth, and you know, it's, his poor man almost died. Right. So, but, but the cat doesn't know that. It doesn't have a script, you know. Right, right. It the cat was being be a, a cat. cat. Well, I watched right. uh, 2020 that they did recently, and you're right. They showed how meticulously timed out everything is on that. I mean, I was blown away by the the show and how it was put together. And like you said, all it took was one one sound to go wrong to to spook the cat that you know yeah that made that happen I mean, so Siegfried and Roy had a thousand people in that showroom twice a night six nights a week they had elephants because it was Kenneth Feld you know a circus right. producer so if something was bound to happen and like you said if it didn't happen early I can't imagine it waited that long but it's like, fast. The, animal, yeah. the company that I work with is called the Animal Legal Defense Fund and they are a bunch of lawyers. There's 2,800 lawyers around America that go to court and change the laws for America. And we go and we try to shut down these roadside animal uh, zoos and all that stuff. Um, the one thing that we did help with was getting rid of the elephants in the circuses. And mm. instead of picketing, what we thought of the, the bull gas, which is the gas that they kind of hook them with to get them to do what they want and go through, right. through their skin. Well, we outlawed that, had that outlawed in different counties where the train went through. So if they can't stop in those counties with the elephants, they have to go to the next county and the next. And if you get enough of them, they can't stop anywhere. Hence, they went, okay, no more freaking elephants. We got you. Oh, wow. So that was a real smart move, you know? That was great. Now, when um, – Yeah. Uh, well, I was just going to say, living in Vegas, did, did you do you know Rita Rudner? I do. So, we had a, yeah. shared a showroom. I was in Legends and Concert at Harrah's for a long time, and she was there every day. Yeah, Rita was someone that sort of um, left Hollywood, you know, and and moved everything to to Vegas. She was at a time when a lot of people were because we had mutual friends that were saying, you know, you're at the height of your 
fame right now. She had done television and stuff, and uh, I guess she had been a headliner in Vegas. But I, she was like one of the early name TV comedian people who sort of moved out to Vegas at the beginning. Like you said, probably in the early to mid nineties or or a little later. Yeah, I and would probably be a little late nineties because she started with the four wall thing. She was smart enough to go, well, I got a name. Let me just make money every day from it. Right. And the same thing. Carrot Top's been playing for like 18 years. My Scott Thompson, I, I used to do the college circuit with Scott, who's Carrot Top, and he still runs every night. He's the hardest working clown in show business. You know? Well, we, <laughs> Scott used to work, we used to work out at the same gym, Easton's in, um, in LA. Right. And you know, he's, you know how he he just transformed his whole body and everything. He went from being like he this sure kind of skinny nerdy kid to this really jacked up beefy um, kid. And you're right, up. you know. <laughs> yeah. Well, you oh you don't think that's natural? I'm kidding. Um, no. Yes. <laughs> well, I thought it was maybe trick trick lighting <laughs> or mirrors or something. Special. Yeah. <laughs> Bless his heart. But, but like you said, you know, people, you know, other comedians, quote, make fun of him. But like you said, he's laughing all the way to the bank because. Oh, yeah. He hasn't stopped working since I met him in 90. We did the college circuit. He has not stopped working. And he was making. I remember I went to Vegas the first time and I said, let me buy you dinner and all this entourage because I thought I was hot shit with my American Express. And his manager said, let this asshole buy you dinner because he made 35000 tonight. I'm like. Tonight? <laughs> Tonight you made 35000 What? You know, oh, well, my yeah. God. Yeah, he was making bank. Well, see, that's the thing. Like, comedians were already doing the residency things in Vegas long before the singers are. You know, now the, the – the, I guess Celine Dion sort of started uh, the superstar singers getting the residencies there. But – um but you know, yeah. like Donnie, Donnie Marie, I think just closed finally the yeah. other night. Their, mm-hmm. their last. Mm-hmm. Did you ever work with them on anything at all? I met Jimmy Osmond a couple of times because we were going to do something together in Branson, Missouri. But I never met Donnie or Marie. But I everybody uh, says it's just a great show. Yeah, you know, everyone said that. Huh? I, I have a friend that was there the night that Marie peed on stage. I'm sorry I missed oh, that one. Hold on, would you start that again, please? <laughs> what? <laughs> Yeah, and you can what? YouTube you can YouTube it. Yeah, there was a one of her performances, she started laughing so hard that she literally and she's wearing a dress, right? And she oh, just wow. peed all over herself. And JW, you know how true? I swear to God. And you know, like the more I guess the more she was laughing, the more she was more peeing, she like she couldn't stop oh. it. And I thought, well, God bless her. Rather than try to quote cover it up or stop the show, she. Well, they say you just gotta go. You just gotta go with it, right? And uh, I guess you have no choice at that point. It's not pee. It's orange juice, folks. I would just, you know, what do you say? I just, you know, know. what do you like? Laugh until I shit myself on the show. She you know? could she could blame Nutrisystem. She's been gaining and losing the same fifty pounds for the last twenty of years. Of course, and there's God no bless. surgery there, right? There's no lipo and, and tummy. Oh stuff, no, right? no. Just, Whenever she needs no. a big pay- paycheck, she just gains fifty pounds and then loses it. So, but well, anyway, she takes water pills and pisses herself in the middle of her show. <laughs> well, Isn't clearly, she on the talk now? Apparently, just, she's on listen. the talk now. Yeah. Okay. Oh, she is. Yeah, she she's replaced. On she's on the talk, the CBS oh, talk show. Yeah, mm-hmm. hoping she wasn't listening to this, and then she's gonna go, "Listen, asshole, <laughs> I'll come to your house and piss on your floor, and that'll fix it." No, I, I think I think part of the reason she uh, they ended the show is because she has to do the talk every day live at a, eleven o'clock. Or uh, although wow. she she could fly to Vegas right after that and do it, I guess. But that's a lot yeah. to do. That's yeah. a lot. I mean, she's not a kid either. What is she, 60? Uh, she probably. She incontinence at this point. She's probably about that. I was going to say, <laughs> speaking of incontinence, uh, Barry yes. Manilow – no, I'm kidding. Barry oh, Manilow, who, who's our neighbor here in Palm Springs, you know, for a long time he was flying out back and forth every every day doing a show in Vegas and coming back to Palm yeah. Springs. That's a Have lot, you, man. Have you worked with Barry or had any interaction with Barry Manilow? I never worked with him, but actually, I think in 1980, I was part of a songwriting team for a, a record label called Ricochet Records out of New York, and we pitched a song to him, and he really liked it. 
Um, but he didn't record it. But I remember speaking to Bruce Sussman and some of his people. Um, and then I got invited to a show by him um, probably about six years ago when he was at the uh, what was he at the Paris, mm-hmm. or the Hilton rather. And his show was just unbelievable. Wow. You know, he sounds exactly the same, man, that voice. Because, you know, I'm a singer. I think first you asked me before, mm-hmm. I think first I was a singer. Because my voice at my age is still – I had to prove myself with this play because it's legitimate. But I was able to do everything. And, you know, even when we do two shows a day, I'm like, yeah, bitch. You, know, <laughs> you sound like you have a very young, <laughs> agile voice. So I can imagine. I do, that, except I just yeah. prove myself. So. <laughs> well, that's okay. You're, you're at home. So – yeah. <laughs> You're yeah, right. I'm in my ranch here in Virginia right now. So. But speaking of Everybody's Bruce, you mentioned it. Bruce. Now, what about Bruce yep. Springsteen? That, can you tell us that story? Bruce Springsteen. Yeah, he's my cousin. <laughs> so, in 1915, my great grandfather Giuseppe Sorrentino came over from Na- Naples with his little sister Adelina, who's Bruce's grandma. So he's my second cousin, my father's first cousin. And we were all in show business as a kid, and I never put the two to two to, like there together. You go. Bruce was performing. He's 10 years older than me, but he's my cousin. I mean, it doesn't do anything for me, but I, it opens up a couple of doors once in a while. People go, really? You want to watch yeah. I'm like, yeah, sure. Have but, you met I him? Mean, I, yeah, sure. When I was a kid, he's my cousin. I mean, I, mean, I know, but I mean, have so. you, are, you re, are you reconnected as adults at all? No, you know, it's weird. I think a lot of my older cousins, when I was growing up and in the business, I said, you know, I got a record deal now. Or I got a publishing deal. They're like, oh, you just want his autograph. Because they keep them. He's very oh. insulated. So oh, I'm like, okay. I don't give a shit about his autograph. I want to open for him at the Madison Square Garden or something, you know? Yeah. So I don't have communication right now. I'm hoping we, we connect again sometime. But I haven't seen him since he was 17. Well, you see how so. you tend to say things and put it out there, and then it happens. Right. So we just put it out yeah. to the universe that your, your manager may be calling you saying that, you know, Bruce Springsteen wants you to work with him. So that would Fine. be great. That doesn't scare me. I'll that doesn't scare you. I know. No, nothing scares me. <laughs> I, I'm fearless, man. I will make an ass out of myself until I get really good at it, and people just go, how'd you get so good? Because I look like an asshole for six months doing it before. <laughs> I'm not afraid of that. I'm not well, afraid. If you're just joining us, uh, the asshole talking, I'm kidding. <laughs> it's our special guest, Mr. Steven Sorrentino. And uh, we, we, Steven, tell everybody where they can follow you on social media and, and websites and all that good stuff. Sure. It's easy to find me. I'm with a PH, stevensorrentino.com. I'm also SS Sorrentino on Twitter and steven.sorrentino on Instagram. And on Grinder, well, um, wait a minute. Hold on. Oh, it. yes. Sorry, wrong one. Well, yeah, go ahead and put that out there, too. Because you're, 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 you're a happily married man. So are you in an open marriage? Whatever. <laughs> you asked me this on the air. I just peed again. Wait. <laughs> well, I found out, in show business. I found out we've both been in our relationships for 22 years. So my condolences. Yeah. My condolences to both our partners is all I'm I can so say. I'm so sorry for the two of them. They should get together in peace. I'm, oh, I'm, my God. If you're just joining us, Marie Osmond pissed herself on stage, and we can't get past <laughs> She's it. She's never going to let that go. It and it's not alleged either. She did it. So this is oh, not one of those it. This is not one of those rumors. This is, yeah. This is searchable. She, yeah. She should have well, done that on uh, closing night. She should have peed on Donnie. But that oh would be too much. Oh, my God. Fun. That would be too much. Country (laughs) (laughs) Well, listen. Talk talk to us about this upcoming tour. You're about to. Well, first of all, you're off. You're going to do a movie. What's the film you're going to be working on? It's like a book. I don't know what the title is yet, but I'm playing. It's kind of like Halloween, like a a knockoff of Halloween, and I'm playing a psychologist Um, again. It's the second time I'm playing a psychologist in eight months. And I get stabbed out in the middle of the movie, so I'm looking forward to getting stabbed on Sunday and Monday. Mm. I love it's getting killed. Great. Yeah, <laughs> isn't it fun? I've been well, killed I, a lot. I die too, and I die in everything I do, which just means I can never be in the sequel <laughs> or any of that. But that's the sad part. Shit. Um, but awesome. and then you're going to be going. You're taking your uh, Elton John show to Australia, right? Yeah, we're going to uh, the uh, Crown Casino in Melbourne. Uh, from I think but the show opens January 9th through the 26th and okay. I, it's five days of rehearsal and travel that's a killer flight have you done that before 
No, but you know, it's funny. Australia is the one place I really want to visit, but I hate to fly. So, of course, I would pick mm. the furthest place to get <laughs> <Right>. to. <laughs> yeah, go to Perth. It's even worse. I mean, it's on the other side. But Australians mm. are all beautiful people. I, I was there a while ago, and all the men are handsome, all the women are beautiful, and everybody has a good spirit. It's, a, it's really a cool place. I'm really looking forward to that again. Then I go to Germany. I'm playing in a show called Movie Stars, and I'm doing Elton John Plus. I'm playing L.B. Mayer and stuff. It's all about themes for movies coming up uh, from day one to the new stuff. So Elton John's going to perform. I'm going to perform as Elton, doing The Lion King and all that stuff. But I'm also playing parts. And I have to learn some German. So that's his good, yeah. Oh, wow. Yeah, well, so um, he hasn't sent me the script yet. I'm kind of flipping out. Well, the, the, do, you, do, do you change the Elton show? Do you, does it, uh, I mean, has it evolved over the years, I guess? Do you, do you also um, do banter as Elvis in the show? Uh, you know, as for, Elvis? <laughs> well, let me tell you something. We, that's, I, I, was waiting, I was waiting for you to catch that. As Elton... <laughs> Do you do I banter? Do. Uh, yeah, of course. And as Elton John, I've always, I've kind of, of course, I'm English, and uh, he's got a lower speaking voice and a singing voice these days. So uh, it's a lot of comedy, and he gets kind of fun. And I, I play the Queenie Elton John, which always is fun. Um, <laughs> so I always say, how about a lap dance and all that stuff? But my Elton John is, I don't do a parody of Elton; I do a spot on, right. exact. Because I was there to watch uh. him walk and talk, and how he holds his hands when he talks, and how he looks at people, and. My Elton John is Elton John. So if you don't can't afford Elton John tickets. Yeah, and you got the piano I, down, I too. To do that. Wow. Yes, sir. I play piano, flute, sax, and guitar. And, uh, you know, years ago, I was only playing the background stuff because I was a songwriter. And I went to Legends in Concert to audition. And they said, you know, we want you to come to Vegas. They flew into Vegas, and they put me up at the nice hotel. And the guy said a week before that, he said, uh, you have to play the intros. I said, oh, no, I don't play the piano. I just play the block chords like on the organ, you know, on the, the synthesizer. <laughs> He's like, you have to play the piano. So I moved my guitar player in, um, excuse me, my piano player in for like a week at my house in New York. And lo and behold, I didn't let him go until he taught me all the shit. And I got there and I nailed the audition. So, wow. Again, yeah, my hands hurt, but man, I get the gig. That's amazing. So, very and lucky. also, if everyone goes to your um, website, com, they can actually see clips of you also yeah. as Elton on there and, and clips from, well, it's a great website, by the way, everyone check it out Thank you. because it's got clips of all your stuff and your, and you've also been so great doing voiceovers throughout your career. Yeah. Um, I've been way lucky, man. I, 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 and I just did one recently for John Hopkins, John Hopkins uh, in Baltimore. Just like the kind, like you said, I have a young sounding voice. I play young yeah. man. They're like, how old are you, 20-ish? I'm like, yeah, yeah, uh, 16 <laughs> to 20, that's me. So, yeah. you know, but I've done everything from the Vlasic Pickle, have a Vlasic Pickle, uh, regionally to Mercedes commercials, you know, the, the, the whole chairman thing and stuff. So, mm-hmm. I don't know, cartoon, you know Chuck McCann? Jeff yeah, McCann? I, knew, I knew Chuck really well. He used to, actually, his wife was my very first commercial agent betty, betty oh. at william morris when i first moved to yeah. la and tell everyone chuck was famous for a children's show um in new york right yeah see when i was a kid growing up chuck mccann who cared about like you know the big stars it was chuck mccann we watched him every day and when i did he also was the he did a lot of those commercials <laughs> so he was a wonderful voiceover guy and just a big guy you want to hug and I did my show in L.A., and a guy named Ed Losey, who's a PR guy, uh, is a friend. And he goes, could I bring some old Hollywood guy to your show? You're probably not going to know him. I said, yeah, fine, whatever. Bring everybody. And there's Chuck McCann on the red carpet. I'm like, oh, oh my says, God. do you know who I am? And I cried. I didn't pee. I cried. <laughs> <laughs> but I, I really cried. And I said, Mr. McCann, you're breaking mm. – you, you made my life. And he gave me a hug, and we, be, we were close friends until he passed it was so, again a blessing, man. You wish that shit into your life. Mm-hmm. Well, it's it's so weird because there was a restaurant called the Silver Spoon in West Hollywood, and we all used to. I used to go. Okay, oh, you know, yeah. it was Theodore's, and then became Silver Spoon. But mm-hmm. Chuck was was a regular there, and not because I didn't grow up in New York, I really didn't know the children's show, but my husband did and all these people. And then I, it took me years. I didn't know that Betty Fanning, you know, I didn't know his wife was the agent until one yeah. day she she came in with him 
and I hadn't seen her since I was like in my mid twenties, you know, or something. So again, it's just like the great thing I feel, and you may as well, is the great thing about being quote a veteran in this business is getting to run into people you've worked with or people you've known, or I always say to people, just, you got to just stay in the game, you know, Um, the worst thing, I think the worst thing talent can do is when they, decide to take a break or go away or take themselves out of it. It's very hard sometimes to, to quote, come back into the business. You know, I think it's always good to, I mean, you can take a break mentally and you take a break creatively, but you've got to stay connected to the business. I think it's very hard. Otherwise. Somehow. Well, Marty Allen, I don't know if you remember Marty Allen. Oh yeah. Old, old man, big in the sixties and seventies. And Marty was my best buddy. Every Thanksgiving we spent together. And I used to say to Marty, when are you going to quit? And he used to say, you know, if I quit, I'll die. And he was mm. He wasn't right. kidding. And I saw him on his 95th birthday, and he did the tap dance bit. And I said, and I whispered in his ear because there's a bunch of old ladies around him. I said, Marty, <laughs> you doing a, you doing a fucking tap dance gig? He goes, yeah, I got new hips because he had hips. <laughs> <laughs> I thought he was tap dancing at 95. And he died a year wow. later because he had to quit. But it's well, not, see, and he was so right. He was so right. But talk mm. about you know the old people for me, the old stars. Because when I was watching TV as a little kid, I used to say, "I want to be there someday." So right. You, you sit across from Jerry Lewis and having lunch, you just go, "Is this real?" I know. Yeah. You know, you've been. Or you go to Silver been, Spoon back in the day, you know. Uh, and every, there was Shelley, Shelley Winters and everybody, <laughs> Lois <laughs> yeah. Nettleton, and. Well, listen, buddy, the time is flying by. I cannot believe it. I need you on for three hours. So um, thank you so much for joining us, everyone. Please go to uh, stevensorrentino.com. Also check him out on on his social media. Congrats and good luck on this upcoming tour. And uh, I will be seeing you in person. Yes, I will. Somewhere on this planet. Sooner. Sooner. Well, we got to get that restraining order lifted first. I guess. Well, we'll work on that. Whatever. We'll work on that. Once I get the depends, I'll be fine. Anyway, I love you guys. Everybody. Steven, <laughs> thank you. Steven, thank you. Know. Yeah, thank you so much. Have a great rest of your evening. Thank you. Take care. Thank, thank you, you so much. Thanks for checking out one-on-one with Jasper Cole. Check out past episodes and get the latest as they're released. Subscribe today on iTunes, Stitcher, and YouTube.